to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, John Allen, also known as Spooky Uncle John, and with me, as always, is my co-host and producer, Snyderman501, Nick Snyder, and our techno-mage, Ren, aka Pyre Lily. And today is a special day because we are talking about all things Star Wars. Yes! Aliens, it is our annual Star Wars special, May the 4th be with you. But before we get into that, Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. Uh, They can find us on social media by searching Area 51 and a Half on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok by searching for at... The Area 51H. And I know you guys are really excited about this. So excited to talk about Star Wars. Who doesn't like talking about Star Wars? But before we can do that, here is Nick's Pop Culture Roundup with a special Star Wars theme. All right, so Pop Culture Roundup this week. I'm going to talk about the video game that released this week, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. This is a sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I loved. This is a great sequel. I have I have had so much fun playing it. The combat system in it is awesome. Being able to switch from single lightsaber to dual wielding to, uh, to double blade like Darth Maul and then to a blaster stance is just delicious. And the story so far, I haven't completed it yet, but the story is fantastic. The uh, the voice cast in it is awesome. Uh, Cam Monaghan is back as Cal Kestis. And Daniel Roebuck is back as Grease. And I am absolutely loving this cast. I, it's just a lot of fun. You can tell they're having a lot of fun doing the game. And it's just really a really great playthrough so far. So if you haven't tried it, go out and get it. Pay full price. It's totally worth it. You know, and that's the thing about Star Wars. I mean, since it came out in, like, 1977, yeah. it has just gone gangbusters in pop culture. I mean, it it's had such an influence just on movie making with Industrial Light and Magic. Absolutely. Doing special effects and just the influence of all the science fiction that came after it. It is everything. It is books. It is comics. It is toys. It is... It is uh, Games, it is yeah. video games, it is, it is, it's cosplay of all things, which is fantastic. And you know what, Nick? We have a special interview. We sent Ren to talk to their friend Naya about Star Wars cosplay. I have with me Naya, aka Dweeb Queen Cosplay on Instagram. She's a good friend of mine. Here I am making hand signals that nobody can see because this is audio only. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so my name is Naya. I've been cosplaying since 2014, I guess technically seriously. Um, During that time, we've been cosplaying together like most of that. Yeah. Since like 2015, I guess. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Naya is a big fan of Star Wars and has had their second costume put through with the rebel legion congratulations thank you so which ones do you have now so i have two costumes with the rebel legion uh canadian base one of them is anakin skywalker from episode three and the other one is anakin skywalker from the clone wars just in a like battlefront style um from the game it was pretty impressive to watch you go through all that process 
So a few questions. Uh, What does Star Wars mean to you? Star Wars is like my favorite thing um, in existence currently. And it's been like that since, like I've always liked Star Wars, but specifically since like 2020. Um, I found during the pandemic, I needed a lot of things to watch. And I really got invested into the Clone Wars and got sucked up into the story and really found like some connection with characters that I didn't think I would connect with. And just got so like immersed in the um, the lore and just the different stories. And so it just became such an important piece to me that has helped me make a lot of friends in like the most unexpected places. And like with a wide variety of age ranges in all of my various things in life. So not just cosplay related. How jealous were you of the people that could go to the celebrations? Oh, so jealous. <laughs> like, I booked holidays uh, last year thinking, like, maybe I would try and swing it. And then I didn't know anybody that was going. So I didn't go. And then a bunch of my friends ended up going. So I really wish I had been there. Oh. I'll make it one day. Yeah. I would love to eventually. So how long have you wanted to join the Rebel Legion? And why did you want to join them? Uh, I think... Like, obviously, we've seen them a lot at cons since I started going to conventions. Um, but actively, I think within the last two years, I decided I really wanted to try and pursue joining. For me, it was mostly one, I think they're a great organization and they do a lot of great stuff for communities. But a lot of it was just to challenge myself to make my costumes better and to improve my skills and to make them as screen accurate as I can. Yeah, to get into Rebel Legion, you have to get it pretty screen accurate and like there's processes, right? Yeah, there's a whole process and like I can't speak too much to what uh, the judges and things like that do. I'm not I'm not part of that. Um, But if you have any interest or anything like that, you can look at the website, but there's standards that their costumes have to meet and uh, it kind of details out everything that you need to do. Which oftentimes can take, like, a lot of work. So my Anakin Episode 3 costume I actually made, like, three times uh, before I finally um, applied. And then even then after I applied, I had to do some corrections to make it uh, even more accurate. All right. Big important question. Who is your favorite character and why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, this is a two-folded question because... Shout out to my main man, Kit Fisto. But the reason why I like him is purely because of the Clone Wars and the fact that they uh, made him really buff and gave him so much comedy scenes that I just don't understand why they did that to a fish man. Uh, but my actual favorite character is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I love him as a person. And I really liked how they kind of worked through a whole bunch of different stories. And like, I've read quite a few books about him and I just like how he is as a person. I connect a lot with him um, and just how he is. Everybody jokes that I am the Obi-Wan friend in the friend group. It's true, yes. Um, (laughs) And I just like how he is kind of like that person that at face value, maybe you don't expect is going to be so cool and then he comes out of nowhere and is like super awesome if you had to choose one what's your favorite story arc in all of star wars oh okay (laughs) um so gonna have to go to the clone wars because they are obviously my favorite um and my favorite arc throughout the entirety of the clone wars is probably the mortis arc 
Um, it was just so good. The storyline was amazing. And I really liked what they did with all the characters. And they showed kind of like a different alternative that could have happened. Other than that, I would have to say the ending of season seven of The Clone Wars leading up mm-hmm. into Order 66. That was a beautiful masterpiece. I cried all four of the last episodes, like hysterically the entire time. And it, well <laughs> worth it. Well worth it. I read what they did with Ahsoka and her story. Um, what are you most excited for in the future of Star Wars? Uh, okay. Um, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to the Ahsoka series. Um, I am excited to see what they're going to do with that and to kind of wrap up some storylines that haven't had a chance to be ended. Um, especially because I heard rumors that Hayden Christensen is supposed to be back. So it would be really cool to see live action Ahsoka and Anakin reunited. Or even if it's just in like some flashback content that we didn't get. Um, I also am looking forward to the new stuff that they're doing with Star Wars Visions. I really like that they're exploring some different story arcs and different characters that we don't necessarily get to hear from. Thank you for coming on to the show. If you would like to follow Naya, uh, you can follow her on Dweeb Queen Hosplay on Instagram. And what projects are you working on? I'm hoping to start working on an Ayla Sakura cosplay Ooh. next. I have pieces of it ready to go. Um, I'm also working on Anakin's winter outfit from the Clone Wars. And I typically am one of those people where I'll see something and decide I need to make it. So <laughs> that will probably change 50 times before con season. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Thanks for having great. Thank you for doing that wonderful interview. Cosplay. Let's talk about some Star Wars cosplay for a little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've seen some great cosplay through the years. And I know I've known quite a few cosplayers as well, personally, like Ren, uh, like Naya, and even my buddy Jamie, who does the, who's the 519 Mando. He's got his own Mandalorian costume that he has. And some of these people are so creative of what they do and with the materials they use. It is so wild. Yeah, it's really impressive when you see some Star Wars cosplay. Well, any cosplay, the the level that they do, because anybody can sort of do a Darth Vader. You can get that costume pretty well anywhere. Anyone yeah. can do a Stormtrooper. You can get that costume anywhere. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. It's always nice to see. But when somebody walks in in a movie-style Boba Fett costume, yep. that is just... Everything. The the, imp- the 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 ones that I find most impressive are the ones that are clearly a hundred percent homemade, and they've been made with complete care and accuracy as well. Yeah, and they probably used a three D printer. <laughs> oh, I've seen ones where they yeah they use three D printers, but I've seen people make their stuff out of foam. I've seen some. I saw one online. The guy had made a Mandalorian costume, and he had actually blacksmithed the armor for it which is insane one of the funniest ones i ever saw was a couple's costume and they went out as princess leia with the as we call it the space bikini right but here was the twist the female in the couple Mm -hmm. she was princess leia when she comes in with chewbacca on the leash in jabba the huts yeah um in the palace jabba the huts palace and her husband, with a full beard, was in the Princess Leia space bikini. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, 
Another thing I have to talk about is the people that make the R2 units. Yeah. Whenever you're at a Comic-Con, you can't walk without tripping over an R2. And these people make these things so well, and they're all remote controlled, and they have all the whistles and all the... The, the all little of, beeps. Yeah, and little the beeps yeah. and whistles and all the lights. They're fantastic, and they're so, so screen accurate. And the, again, these people are making them from scratch, in their garage, in their basement, they're doing they're doing any programming for them, anything like that, and they're building from scratch. Like that is amazing talent. There must be a kit or something somewhere that I'm they, sure they there get, is. I'm sure there which is. is to me, it's a little surprising because like if you can do that, then why don't you build a few of the other droids too, like R two D five? Well, yeah, like I now I haven't seen an R five at our local comic cons, but I have seen them online. Definitely, I've seen videos and pictures of them from Star Wars Celebration. But, yeah, I would love to see some, even some of the newer droids that we've seen from Mandalorian. I would love to see those start popping up. In our I, I would love well. to see someone bring in that R2 unit with a bunch of Jawas beside it and then have it, like, explode like it does. <laughs> uh, it's got a bad motivator. That would be so funny. I would love to see that at one of the Comic-Cons. Oh, man. Now, Ren, awesome. you cosplay, don't you? Uh, yes, a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My latest project is actually redoing Ahsoka Season 7. So I have all the armor all taken apart, and I'm going to be redoing all the Montrals. Yeah, that's my latest project. When's that going to be ready, do you think? Uh, well, I was hoping to work on it over the summer, but I'm hoping for September, October. Oh, so that would be probably in time for one, one of the Comic-Cons yeah. that we go to. Yeah, I have, um, I've been using uh, fabric for the Montrals, and now I have actual upholstery foam, so it's going to wave and wiggle a little bit better than what it does with the shoe canvas. Uh, but I'll be working on that, and then I have all the foam for the armor. I'm going to have to redo all the armor, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because I don't want to have it 3D printed because that's, you can't move in it as well. Yeah, I would imagine so because the resin is pretty tough. It's either way, it's, um, you can't, like, at least if you sit, you can kind of sit on the foam, <laughs> but. Yeah, but you know, the, I think that's the wonderful thing about cosplay is I've seen, like, the really professional cosplay players that they are investing thousands of dollars into these things and they're very serious about what they do and they're almost snobby in a way it's like what do you mean you didn't make that yourself oh please you know it's like not everybody has sewing skills i'm sorry but i've seen it too where people have used dollar store materials and made some really really impressive outfits i love the people who can go in and do like the thrift store dollar store stuff and then make master level cosplay Oh, like their stuff is just beautiful if they like master levels is incredible anyway. But yeah, if they can take like the dollar store stuff and fit it all together. And like one of my friends is pro at getting dollar store material and making anything mm -hmm. he needs out of it. Right. And so it's it's amazing to see like he got for this one cosplay. They needed tubes, like toilet cleaner plunger things like that you like siphon the water out with and use that tube. And that's right. how like from the dollar store. Yeah. Like, Okay, that's the smartest that's awesome. thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's why I, I like... I know my friends kind of make fun of me, but that's why I like to watch RuPaul's Drag Race and the Boulay Brothers' Dragula. Because it's not about the drag for me. It's about the process that these artists go through in making their drag outfits and their makeup and their costuming. Because sometimes the challenge is, hey, here's a bunch of camping equipment. Make something out of it. And, and you go... 
Okay. Yeah, those <laughs> wigs are not easy to style. Like, you think it would be so easy to just, you know, toss a wig on and, one, toss it on, keep it on your head through all those dances. Right. But, two, style it. Like, it's not just, oh, yeah, wet it and let it fray out. Like, they, oh, they, that's well, a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, in Drag Race UK, for example, the, they had the camping equipment and the winner of that challenge made a haute couture dress out of a picnic blanket. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just, it's amazing the level of custom. I know we're a little off topic, but it's it's wonderful to see that kind of experience where you can sit there and go, it doesn't have to cost a lot, and I can look like my favorite character from Star Wars. But even, even when we look at some of the stuff that we've done in theater... We have done a lot with very little from time to time. No, that's true. But the difference is, in theater, the audience is way over here yeah. versus the stage. Whereas in cosplay, you're right, like it's right yep. up next to it. So, I mean, those fine details have to be there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what is your favorite character to see in cosplay? I love Ayla Sakura, to be honest. With her, like, just her, the Twi'lek Likus and, like, it's so much fabric and so much body paint. Or, if you don't use body paint, it's the body suit. And it's a lot of effort to put on that much face paint. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> Nick, what about you? I always, I don't care which one it is, but I always love seeing Mandalorians in cosplay. Mm. The Mandalorian suits are always, I love the design of the 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 T visor on Boba Fett's suit and all the other Mandalorian suits. And I just love seeing those at cosplay, now, at, I, at Comic-Cons. I have not seen this in person. I'm going to, after the show, I think I'm going to go look to see if anyone has done it. I would love to see a Bib Fortuna. I have seen pictures of a Bib Fortuna, but I've never seen one um, in real before. Yeah, I would love to see that. What I would like to see, because, and I know people can do this, because I've seen massive cosplays before. I've seen people do cosplays as Transformers, so I know somebody can do this. I would love to see someone cosplay as a Wampa. <laughs> that would be cool. Especially if he's, like, if he's got, like, an attachable arm or something. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, but, but anyway. the, the problem is that most of, most of these uh, Comic-Cons take place in the summertime. Do you know how hot that would be to yes. be in a Wampa outfit? Yes. You would have to make sure that that sucker is air conditioned somehow. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that would be cool though. It would be really impressive. But yeah, like Bip Fortuna would be really cool to see in real. I would love to see that. It's it's interesting with a lot. There are a lot of characters in Star Wars that people can pluck from obscurity and just make them. Like, there are, um, you mentioned Ayla Secura. I mean, I've seen a Harrison Dula uh, cosplay. I've seen, um, I've seen a Sabine Wren cosplay. Like, these are, these are amazing costumes, and they're, they're wildly uh, imaginative, especially Sabine Wren with all the colors. They're imaginative characters to do for cosplay. Yeah, it's, it's incredible the work that people put into it, and just... Even if you don't, like, try out for the Rebel Legion and the 501st, they're so accurate. It's amazing. Yeah. So what are your favorite characters? Who's, uh, your, who's your favorite character, Ralph? Ahsoka and Princess Leia. <laughs> Nick? Um, well, as of now, I, I absolutely love Din Djarin, um, Mandalorian. I think he's great. And Bo-Katan. I adore Bo-Katan. Uh, both from, well... 
all from Clone Wars, uh, Rebels, and now The Mandalorian. And I adore the fact that Katie Sackhoff has played all iterations <laughs> of, of Bo-Katan, both in animation and now live action. That's amazing. Yeah, I haven't seen, uh, and I don't know the name, so maybe you can fill me in on the name. I haven't seen all of these Star Wars properties because I checked out, you know, back in the 90s, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but for me, I, I we've said on previous podcasts that when I was a kid, I just loved Obi-Wan. Yeah. Loved Ben Kenobi. For whatever reason, I don't know, Alec Guinness's performance appealed to me, and I just loved the character. But modernly, I love Grogu. I mean, yeah. how can you not love Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda? Uh-huh. He's hysterical. And the mechanic that they keep running into, you know, the one that... Uh, Amy Sedaris. The one that stooped a Jawa. Um, <laughs> so what was the name of the character? Pelimoto. Right. She is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. And the actress that plays her is just wonderful. I just think it adds a nice dimension to the Mandalorian. It does. And that's kind of the thing is, like, there's always been a level of comedy within Star Wars. There's a level of um, whimsy to it. Like, even when, even in A New Hope, when they walk into the Cantina bar and it's a dive of scum and villainy, they've still got the Cantina band playing this really neat little song. Yeah. It is, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's in place, but it doesn't seem in place. Yeah, and the thing of it is, is that her character seems to fit the Star Wars universe. Yes. Whereas other Star Wars properties, they've had characters that don't seem to fit at all. And I'm, spe- I'm specifically thinking of, um, unfortunately, Rose. Rose didn't seem mm-hmm. to fit at all into the Star Wars universe. Even her name, Rose. I mean, you could argue, well, you have Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but his last name is Skywalker. She was just Rose. I mean, you're in a, a, a system, a galaxy far, far away. They may not have roses there. Like, we have this nice sort of little earthling name for this character, which was kind of like, it's like somebody took a James Bond movie and it was rejected, and they said, I can rework this into a Star Wars movie. I mean, they go to a ca- casino, there's the love no. interest, which didn't really go anywhere, there was no real payoff to it. It's not about the actress, they just did not write a good character. I, I love Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adore her, but I do think that they could have given her a lot more to do with oh, those two guys. so much more. So much more to do. Yeah. And it, it, but I mean, like, we're not here to to trash things. We'll do that on another episode because you know me, I love trashing anything that isn't the original trilogy. Uh, but but the positivity of where Star Wars is going now, I think, on the Disney Plus instead of movies, seems to be a lot better. Am I wrong? I agree with that. I do personally. Um, I think the the future of Star Wars, just like Star Trek, is in television. Now, there are more movies coming out in the future. There is a new um, uh, movie coming out that's going to be uh, run um, a vehicle for Daisy Ridley. Um, but I really think that the focus should be on the television shows. Yeah, I think that's where the story is. I love Mandalorian. I really like Book of Boba Fett. Obi-Wan Kenobi was fantastic. I really enjoy these shows, and the stories that they're telling are a lot more compelling than some of the movies they've released. Yeah, I think that Obi-Wan was fantastic in the way that it was done and the way it was acted. To me, it feels so much like fan fiction, but, um, you know, what what else can you do? So that's why I like 
The Mandalorian particularly because it is a very clear direction that they go. And the thing that I really dig about The Mandalorian is that this, the focus is not on the Jedi. We now see that there are more... There's more religious aspects yes, yes. to this galaxy than just the Jedi. That's part of why I that's part of why I really really like Jedi Survivor and Cal Kestis and his story because it involves one of the Night Sisters, which is another Force using uh, um, religion within right. Star Wars ga- galaxy. Now, tell me about the Mandalorian because questions have popped up in my mind. They're never supposed to take off their helmet. Depends on the sect of Mandalorian, yes. Okay. Questions pop into my my mind. So, how do they eat? How do they drink? Well, they, they, they do show you in this season how they eat and drink. Um, basically, with, with the uh, Children of the Watch, which is the sect that Din Djarin is in, when they're in a group and they're going to like it's not a case of they can't take off their helmet they can't show their face to other people right so 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 if they're in a group of people they have to go off and find their own little secluded area to eat and drink okay so sort of you could totally fit a straw up that helmet okay so then that brings up the question and i'm going to because we like to be family friendly how do they pair up to make little mandalorians they don't they they find orphans. I don't want to be part of that religion. <laughs> Why not? Well, the Jedi do the same. Well, I mean, the Jedi don't even find orphans. The Jedi just go to a family and go, oh, hey, your kid's force sensitive. He's coming with me. Yeah, and then they and kill those orphans. <laughs> you know? That was only one time. And it was it was all Anakin. Yes, it was all Anakin. There was nothing pulling his strings. Oh, my goodness. But we are off track. But I'm sorry. I don't want to be part of a religion where I have to wear a helmet and never smash. Like, but, I was, like really. And, and there, But there you go. Like, Bo-Katan sect of the Mandalorians, they are not fanatics like that. They take off their helmets. They're allowed to show their face to other people. The The thing with the Children of the Watch. The Children of the, the Watch is an offshoot of the Night Watch, who were um, zealots. And they, you see um, Pre Vizsla and the Night Watch throughout Clone Wars and Rebels. And a lot of Mandalorian religion is talked about during those episodes. Uh, Pre Vizsla, <laughs> who is the head of Night Watch, his son, Paz Vizsla, is the character that Jon Favreau plays in The Mandalorian. Oh, so there's all that connection as well. You hurt my head because as soon as you said Night Watch, I, saw, I thought, why is he talking about Game of Thrones? But I'm just like, I just, oh my God, like this, this is part of the problem for somebody like me. If you have sort of checked out of Star Wars because you thought it was going off a cliff, I don't know anything about Expanded Universe. I don't know anything about it, but you just rambled and you knew names and it was like, it was like you have a PhD in Star Wars. I I probably should. (laughs) Okay, but here, here's the thing, though. This is the difficulty for me, is I would love to sit you down and watch Clone Wars. But the problem is, is the first few seasons of Clone Wars are kind of crap. <laughs> like, Clone, when Clone Wars started off, it was a kid show, and it was made for kids. But eventually, Cartoon Network left Dave Filoni alone, and he started doing more mature yeah. storylines. I, I think one of the problems is this. Like Nightwatch. When I was, when I was younger... 
and they had the cartoons. They had like the they had droids. They had Ewoks. Ewoks yeah, they, they were just kind of standalone cartoons. They really shouldn't be and weren't considered canon. No, um, because as I've said on previous podcasts, there really is no such thing as canon because it's at the whim of the writers, and writers change things. Um, so it. Those cartoons and those one-off specials, like we make fun of the Star Wars holiday special. Um, there were the Ewok movies. Wilford Brimley was in one of them. Yes. They didn't actually hurt the property. You know, they didn't change anything about the original trilogy. They just went, hey, Star Wars, let's make money. Uh, how are we going to make money? Well, we can't use Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. and those. Oh, I know. Let's tell stories about Ewoks. Yeah. So it's like great, you know, you're telling and hey, I grew up on those movies. Yeah. I love them. You're telling stories about Ewoks, that's fantastic. I mean, I thought that was very smart and it didn't hurt the original trilogy. Whereas now I feel there's so much out there and everybody considers it to be gospel and everybody, you know, it's like, well, this happened here in this obscure comic book issue of whatever whatever and that's why Darth Vader uh, you know, likes Coca-Cola. And you're just like, "What?" You know, like, you really think that's canon? Like, oh, come on. You know? So I, I think that, that a property can get almost too big for itself. In in properties like Star Wars and like the Avengers, they hire people with the express intent. I think it was actually Lost that started doing this. But they hire people with the express intent on keeping continuity. And that is a full-time job for whoever is involved in that because they have to keep everything straight across all different platforms at this point. You would have to have a full-on team of people, yeah. I would think. I'm pretty sure Star Wars does. Avengers, I don't know how big that team is, but I'm pretty sure Star Wars... Oh, I remember them ha introducing a gentleman... He was one of the he he was writing one of the novels and he was put he was the head of continuity for Star Wars and I'm just sitting there like I'm sorry I feel sorry for you buddy oh boy that is a big job because it is it is a huge job and at this point he must have a giant team because look at all yeah. of the different just amongst the different TV properties well yeah and that's the kind of I I, I felt sorry in a way for for Disney because now I haven't checked out Andor yet. Um, but I felt sorry for Disney because they said, okay, Book of Boba Fett. And as I said on a previous podcast, hey, thank you for answering that question that I've had since I was a child, that Boba Fett could indeed, yes, get out of the Sarlacc pit. Thank you. But then COVID ruined it, and they took part, parts of the Mandalorian, Mandalorian and threw it into and Boba Fett. Yeah. And, uh, and the problem is the Book of Boba Fett then kind of lost its way because it just really made zero sense so what you're saying is that this wasn't the way this wasn't the way this no. wasn't the way okay no, but I, I get why they did it um, i know i know and but it wasn't it wasn't the first property to get derailed by covid19 and it wasn't the last it happened multiple times and it sucked yeah but i'll tell you this i mean it what was neat about it is it did introduce me to a character that I didn't know existed that I think aesthetically is just a fantastic looking character in Cad Bane. Oh, I love Cad Bane. I don't know anything about that character. So, uh, and I don't want to take the time here to, to delve into oh, that. that. Is, that is, yeah, that is an entire podcast in itself. But yeah, <laughs> just a quick rundown. Started in Clone Wars. We've seen him all over the place. Brilliant character. 
But he does. But it gets back to my point. His aesthetic, I think, is cool, but I don't think it fits in Star Wars. When I first saw him in Clone Wars, I had the same feeling. But when you look at the different, when you look at the different, the fact that there's different cultures in the Star Wars galaxy, sure. and you see all these different bounty hunters, you don't just see like Dengar and IG, whatever, uh, Bosk and all that. You see a whole slew of different bounty hunters from different walks of life in Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, but in the original trilogy, though, you you saw those characters, but you and you saw these wonderful aliens, and there was like the Wookies, and there was Yoda, and there was. Uh, the Sand People and uh, Tusken Raiders, I guess, is officially what they're called, right? I yeah. don't know. But uh, the Jawas, and you sit there and go, okay, but it's organically within certain a certain star system, yeah, certain planets, right? And so you you bought it as being very organic, but they all seemed to fit, even with Cloud City being introduced in yeah. um, uh, Empire it, it, Strikes it all, Back. It all makes sense within that fantasy level. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, Cad Bane was also the way the way he looks, he was put in as a nod to the old spaghetti westerns. Yeah. Which like hundred percent. Which I, I think that that's kind of where I think Star Wars needs to have its strength. Yeah. Because Tatooine is a very hostile environment where somebody like Cad Bane fits. Yes. You know, whereas you put Cad Bane on uh, Cloud City, or you put him on the, what's the name of the planet that's pretty much where Earth is going, where it's all nothing but city. Coruscant. 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 Yeah, like he wouldn't fit there, right? So you you have these real extremes, I think that almost it, it's kind of hard to tie it in mentally, but it does make sense because I mean we have different cultures here that have yeah. different ways of life, and that's kind of. Also, that kind of works against it. It's like so you have this huge planet that is all a city in Coruscant, uh, or multiple cities, I would imagine. Um, but they must have multiple different cultures within that planet. Yeah, in and well, of itself, you do see that as well throughout different uh, aspects because Coruscant has multiple, 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 multiple levels, and the lower you are. The more poverty stricken you are, yeah. So the cultures do change from level to level and, to level, and that, oh, so it's the platform, uh, kind of, yeah. So, but it's really interesting though because um, in science fiction, whether it's Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever, we meet people from another planet, and we meet one particular group from that other yeah. planet. Like we're all Earthlings here, yes, but we're Japanese, we're Canadian, we're British, we're Scottish, we're Finnish, we're Swedish, we're. Russian, we're um, Indian, you know, like it, it, different cultures, different things. And there's even different levels because there are actually, believe it or not, still primitive cultures yeah. on our planet, which is mind-boggling. Sentinel Island. Mind-boggling. But you don't see that in science fiction. They don't introduce you to that. So it's like, oh, we're going to Coruscant. To, and everybody just goes to the, the same Las Vegas part of Coruscant. And, well, if... If we were to look at, say, the Ewoks movies as actual canon, yeah. well, from the Ewoks movies, we know there there are other intelligent life, more technically more intelligent life on uh, the, the 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 forest moon of Andor than there than the Ewoks. Right. So why don't those uh, creatures get involved in Return of the Jedi? Well, we know that because they weren't created for Return of the Jedi; they were created for Battle for Andor. 
but yeah, like there are, we do see them come across just one species and that's just kind of it. And they do dive into those other races and other cultures. It's just, that's when like Clone Wars comes in and Clone Wars like brought up a whole bunch of stuff and Rebels brought up more things. Those are all like the outskirts of the, you know, six yeah. nine movies i guess yeah but that, that that's the point that your mother was making at lunch and that we're making now it's like unless you want to be a fanatic about this and look at every single little property like me it becomes very difficult for someone to watch it and buy this because it's like i don't understand because i just i just feel like i've i've showed my ignorance by saying, I've never seen this. It's like, no, 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 this happened over here in this issue of Star Wars, the comic book. And <laughs> and see, I sit in the middle of that because I obviously grew up watching 4, 5, 6 when 1, 2, 3 came out. Like when Phantom Menace came out, I was in that theater. I was all over that. I wanted to pod race. Like that was my age group. It was perfect. And now I haven't seen all of Clone Wars and haven't seen all of Rebels but I still know enough about it. Like I'm in, I'm in the middle. I still know enough that I can be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, like I'm still confused. Yeah. And then, but I'm also just you know going with it. Like whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's how yeah. Mandalorians work, and that's how this. But that's what works. I mean. Like and, we see in science fiction. I'm gonna I'm gonna use uh, Mars attacks as an example, right? The Martians are all one little species, and Mars is gonna come and blow up the Earth. Yay! And it's like, well. That doesn't make sense because we have so many multiple species here on, on Earth. So if there's a planet out there that can sustain life, that is a class M planet, it's going to have diversity. I like the Star Trek reference. Uh, but like, there's the thing, though, is having multiple, multiple, multiple um, aspects to a story like outer expanded universe stuff that Star, Star Wars isn't the first to do that. I think technically, I think Dune might be. Because you've got the main series Dune, you got Children yeah. of Dune, Heir of Dune, all all of the Frank Herbert stuff, and then all of his son stuff, and then a bunch of stuff that's been done by a whole bunch of other writers. Oh, actually, no, because <laughs> HP Lord of the Rings, HP Lovecraft stuff, like HP Lovecraft uh, like to collaborate with other writers, and you can see aspects of HP Lovecraft stuff, and even in Conan, because he was friends with the uh, the creator of Conan. But. There, there's one thing that Star Wars has that no other science fiction group has. They have Galaxy's Edge. Very true. <laughs> you can't put yourself into the Star Wars universe. To be fair, back in the 90s, Star Trek did have the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas, but it no longer does. So mm. That's when Vegas made the mistake of trying to be family-friendly. Yeah, it didn't work. I know, I know. It did not work. It, it You basically, Las Vegas is... The uh, Pleasure Island from Pinocchio that adults go to, and it needs to be that. But anyway, we're not talking about Vegas. What question for you guys? What do you think the future of Star Wars is or should be? Mm. Well, for me, like I already said, television. I think te- I think this future of Star Wars lies with television. I. Uh, I would like to eventually see where an episode 10, 11, and 12 could take us. But right now, I just want to see more Mandalorian stories. I want to see more Obi-Wan stories. I really, really cannot wait to see Ahsoka. Oh, my God. I'm with you, sort of. I don't want to see any more Obi-Wan things. I don't want to see the Luke Skywalker saga. I don't want to see anything... 
to do with Darth Vader anymore because you guys had your chance and you messed it up. I want to see basically what I was talking about, the expanded universe. That's why I'm liking The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yes, it's familiar. You got that guest sp spot with Luke Skywalker coming in. Made perfect sense. So no problems there. Um, but that's where I wanted to go. Give me a character, or whether it's a new it's, character or whether it's a, a sub-character, and follow that. But don't give me something like, even though it's a good movie, don't get me wrong, it's a good movie, but don't give me something like Rogue One that's five minutes of a better story, you know, like... I don't. I don't need to know how they got the plans for the Death Star to Princess Leia. That's irrelevant. And I, I kind of agree with that. Like, I liked Rogue One a lot, but it didn't. The story didn't need to be told. Yeah, what's well, the same with Solo? Even the the director Ron Howard really couldn't save that, despite having good cast members in it. I mean, once, yeah. once you get past that two minutes of how Han met Chewie, you're just like, eh. <laughs> and I'd, I'd sure like to know how Darth Maul survived, but... Oh, again, Clone Wars. Again, again, uh, I, I, but see, there again, you have to go in and you have to dig all this thing, and I don't have that kind of time to just sit there and watch 24 hours, seven days a week of Star Wars and all of its extended universe properties. It's It's just, it's hard. So Mandalorian is doing great. Mm -hmm. Where do you think we can go from there? I also agree that TV is a great way to go. I mean, I've thought that since the beginning of, like, I saw fanfics on Tumblr where people are like, hey, I want average things of, you know, the Avengers going to the grocery store. I want that as an adventure, make it a TV show, half an hour, done. Perfect. Like the little shorts when... Um uh, <laughs> yeah, people have been wanting those for years. Like a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's and, hammer. I and, loved and that people, episode. People would make them happen. Like on rebelscum.com, they had, they still have, I think, a dedicated page to homemade films, like fan-made films. Oh, I don't want and to see that. Some of them are good because some of them are being made by people who have some money. And some of them are crap because they're being made by people who don't have money. But... The fact of the matter is, is people have been wanting to see this type of stuff, expanded stuff, TV stuff, for a long time, and now we're finally getting it. Well, one of the things that a lot of fans wanted to see were more feminine lead characters and yeah. stories, and now we have it with Ahsoka. Uh, there was an interview done with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays Hera, uh, where she actually pointed out she realized the main three characters of Ahsoka are all women. We have um We have Ahsoka. We have Ahsoka, we have Hera, and we have Sabine Wren. That's so awesome. I love Sabine. Yeah, there's a full on interview that um Mary Elizabeth Winstead did with the rap uh about how she realized, oh wait, there's three powerful women running this show. Like they are the main characters. That's what's gonna happen. And that's beautiful because like Princess Leia has been an inspiration. Like, since I was a kid, I absolutely adored Princess Leia. I wanted nothing more than to be just like Princess Leia. Because yeah. growing up as a feminine human, Star Wars was not designed for us, dare I say. It was, it was, but, like, the main characters in Phantom Menace, which was the new series when I was young, was a bunch of guys. And Padme. Padme. Yeah. But great. She didn't, like, I go back now and look, I'm like, she didn't have yeah. a whole ton of stuff. Like, she did. 
she was amazing and I love Padme, but like Yeah. We didn't have like the Princess Leia kick your butt. Yeah, because mm, out of my way. I think that's kind of the difference between the characters of Leia and Padme, which is also one of the problems that I have with writing and the the prequel trilogies not being very good is because Leia was always strong. Yeah. You know, and she didn't have the force at that point. She wasn't even force sensitive at that point. There's hints of it in the original of her being able to tell like Luke's safe and Yeah, yeah, that but that that, that's, that that happens in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but like Padme is powerful because she is diplomatic and you know, can get her stuff done. Well, that no, way. she's in a place of power, but the writing is not good. Well, I don't the, think. Okay, yeah, she's in a place of power in Phantom Menace. She's the queen. Um, in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, she's the senator. But the problem is, in Revenge of the Sith, she exists solely to bear Anakin's children. Right. That is that is her entire reason for being in that movie, and that sucks. That's yeah. all she's boiled down to. Yeah, and I really don't like when people get into the minutia of certain names. I mean, I sort of get it. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm looking at it from a male gaze, but I'm trying to look at it from a feminist gaze, is the fact that um, one person wrote that they loved the fact that it wasn't Princess Leia, it was General Leia. I'm like, well, no, I think you're looking at it wrong. Why was she not Queen Leia at that point? Because her planner blew up. Yeah, but still... (laughs) But still, she's still, you know, of royal blood, whatever, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't like people to get buried in the minutia of it because sometimes they aren't writing these characters properly. Um, like, there's there's one meme out there that says about Anakin and Luke being weak as, as water because uh, Leia was never tempted by the Force. And it's like, well, I got news for you because until these sequels came out, Leia was not a Jedi. She was not... Uh, she was force sensitive, but was not did not have the force, did not know how to use the force. You can't be tempted by the dark side if you're not even on the light side. But she has always been Darth Vader's kid. Yeah. yeah. So there's so always it makes that. sense. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm just saying in the story that they told, she had no training. She wasn't, you know, so the force sensitivity makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. The fact that she gets elevated to be a Jedi or was in Jedi training, makes perfect sense. Don't get me wrong on that. But they didn't do it well. No. 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 You were talking earlier, Ren, about Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Where you can actually go to Disney. Not that we're promoting Disney, the House of Mouse. But you can go, if you have enough money to take a trip... You can go to Galaxy's Edge and be part of Star Wars, and you were there. Were you I not? did. Yes. I went last year. Uh, I was lucky enough to go along with Naya, actually. Uh, we went to Galaxy's Edge, and I think we both cried our eyes out. It was pretty great. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. So, quick story. Got in in the morning. First thing, tried to book tickets for the um, for the Rebellion ride. Mm-hmm. Found tickets at the end of the night. Whatever. Got in, though. Got in line for the Millennium Falcon. We were one of the first people to drive the Millennium Falcon that morning, and we got to drive it. So, nice. like, it's So you have two engineers, two gunners, and two drivers, and I got to pull the Millennium Falcon into hyperspace the first thing ever. Oh, I was so excited. I literally just, like, I got off of it and just stared at the Falcon and cried. It was so beautiful because I actually got to drive the Millennium Falcon in the ride and it was so cool nick if we ever get to do that please take chewbacca's seat and do a wookie crowd 
like you. Yeah. Naya was my co-pilot and it was just beautiful. And they made so many jokes. Like we had our Tano and Skywalker shirts on. And the one person there was like, oh, what's a Skywalker? And I was just like, oh, it's Jedi stuff. Jedi, they don't exist. Like the cast members were so into it because it's all set with like Ray and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was so well done. Um, It was beautiful. We went to like all the shops. We tried to get into the cantina, but you had to reserve space and stuff. We just never got into it. Yeah. Um, But we saw it. It was beautiful. We had food at the junction which is supposed to be like a little hangar bay and it's all star wars themed food so it's like all like banthas can you get blue milk yes we got blue and green milk um they're both delicious green milk yeah they had green milk it's the, just the flavors that oh, were in okay. it. um we saw kylo ren's ship we did not see kylo ren at all that day which was a little sad but i heard i heard kylo ren's kind of sassy he yeah apparently yeah. he is but we didn't see him um, but I did get to witness the very, very special lightsaber building ceremony Ooh. because Naya built her own lightsaber and I was the guest that was allowed to come in and I filmed the whole thing. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was so wonderful. And just having her like watching her pick out the Kyber crystal and the pieces that she wanted for her saber, it was like, I literally had a... My, my heart hurt because it was so beautiful <laughs> to watch. I wanted to build a droid really, really bad, but I did not have the money because they are expensive. But just the ability to go walk around Jatu and see the Star Wars, like all the ships, and they had the, um, like, you had you, you went into the Star Tours and it was all set up like Endor. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. last time I had gone to Disney, all they had was just the Star Tours. Right. But so now just have all of it and the cantinas and oh, it was so beautiful and wonderful. And everybody was just excited to be there. Yeah. Oh, I will say that Disney and Universal really do well with their parks and and immersing you in the experience. Like if you get to go to um, Islands of Adventure, which is where they've got the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It is like being in... In Hogwarts, right? It's like being in Hogsmeade. It is wonderful. So I can only imagine what uh, Galaxy's Edge must be like to walk in there and see basically what would be a life-size Millennium Falcon. Yes, and we saw it, and it was wonderful. And as you're walking through the line to go drive the Millennium Falcon, like the queue line, you got to see the pod race engine, and then you got to see the Millennium Falcon out the window. And I was like, ooh. And then I got, <laughs> I got to touch um, a bunch of the costume stuff like they had the replica things for like ahsoka mandalorian outfit so i looked at that and i was like "Ooh, i can get this fabric and this fabric and this is what it actually looks like and then i just went ahead and bought the belt instead of having to reproduce it which saved me a lot of heartache yeah and i do make that cosplay but it was beautiful i do have to say about disney um part of the reason i rip on them is just because my experience with disney is it's good it's really good don't get me wrong but anytime I've gone to a Disney park or anytime I feel like Disney's putting out a property, I feel like they're just like, we're going to milk this cash cow to death. As soon as you enter a Disney park, there's this little vacuum that goes into your wallet because they want mm-hmm. every penny they can possibly yeah. Yeah. get. And, and when you arrive, they're like, welcome to Disney. And when you leave, they're like, get out. And sadly, I gave Disney a lot of money that day we went to the park, <laughs> but it was beautiful. But... It was cool, though, because they actually had it where you could interact and you could 
be a part of the universe. Like if you bought the right bracelet, you could go bounty hunting and you could go Ooh, do really? these. Yeah. So you can go to these different stops and you have to, you know, tag in on this spot and then it sends you to here and you have to find these bounty hunting sections. And, but it's like, it, it was just incredible because you actually got to step in and yeah. Okay. Maybe possibly it was supposed to be for kids, but the adults there, I saw so many like people my age yeah. running around or and older running around from one bounty hunter spot to the next mm-hmm. to try to see the ships and they were just they were just more excited than the kids I think and it was it well was yeah wonderful. because they grew up on it right exactly so this is their their childhood coming to life it, yeah yeah that's exactly what it was and multiple yeah. generations too because I mean if we all went there I mean like let's say that uh, we took Nick's daughter with us right um, like there's we would have multiple generations. You'd have Gen X, you'd have Millennial, you'd have Gen Z, all with different experiences oh, yeah. of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And even now, like, Disney has a few new cartoons for, like, the younger, yeah. like, even whatever the newest generation would be considered. But, like, for even the younger kids, that they're now, they're coming out with a new cartoon, I think. And yeah, the Young Jedi Adventures. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, now they get in on it. And that, but... Gotta get them hooked. Gotta get, well, get them hooked yeah, early. Well, yeah, gotta get them hooked well, up Star Wars. But that's the thing. So let's ask this question. Is Do you think it was good or bad that Disney took over the Star Wars properties? Mixed bag. Mm. Mixed bag? Yeah. Mixed bag. So here's the thing. George Lucas has always been big into merchandising. That's how he made all of his money back. Yep. That's how he made the money for Empire Strikes Back. He had the wherewithal to retain all licensing rights mm-hmm. for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Good for him. Yeah. That's an amazing, amazing business move. But the fact of the matter is, is our friends at Disney, no matter how much crap George Lucas could pump out, Disney makes him look like a rank amateur in comparison. Well, yeah, because he's one man and they're a whole team. Yeah. I I do kind of like that from what I've seen, a lot of the Disney stuff, they're like, no, so we own it, but like hands off, like we're going to give it to, you know, the people that are running the shows now and we're just going to kind of let them vibe and then do things. And, um, we'll just supply money, which is beautiful for me. Yeah. Like I love smart, but I, I get concerned because so far, most of the TV projects have been wonderful, you know, for the most part. I mean, yes, there was the problem with book of Boba Fett because of COVID. Um, but the movies haven't been Ugh. great. Ugh. So how do we how do we fix that? Like we can't, of course, but how do you think they, they fix it? They fix it by planning out a trilogy. They've already admitted the fact that that new trilogy was not planned out from the get-go. They made it up as they went, and they could not do that. You can't do that. Mm-mm. They had to have a plan for episode, for episode 9, 10, or for episode... Uh, George Lucas already had. Yeah. Like... The, the last three. He already had them planned out. He had all and nine the, of them from the beginning. Yeah, but I don't... I, I I can't trust George Lucas because he also had claims that uh, the prequels were all planned out by him ahead of time. It's like, I, I you know what? I know you wrote a story. I get that. Mm-hmm. And you took the best out of the story with the original trilogy, but you can't tell me that all that stuff that he put in there was something that he had written back in the 70s. Of I don't course buy not. that. Well, I, you, like the whole idea... Because it was terrible. With with Jar Jar Binks, he admitted that Jar he came up with the name Jar Jar Binks because it's what his kid called his truck. Okay, there's nothing wrong with the name. I don't. You mean, I don't. You mean Sith Lord Jar Jar Binks? I hate you. 
But Don't anyway. explain that to me. I, I'm no. not even on that. No, please. There's a whole fan thing that Jar Jar was actually the Sith Lord, and <laughs> he planned everything, and I think it's hilarious, just like every other conspiracy theory that I read. <laughs> so I am... Yeah. Sith Lord Jar Jar Binks. Sith I love Lord it. Jar Jar Binks. You know what? I don't hate Jar Jar Binks the way that everybody else hates Jar Jar Binks because he's just one cog in a terrible movie. You know, like he's just one cog in that wheel. He was entertaining for me as a kid. I, I, ha- <laughs> I have a bigger problem with the very racist looking other aliens like Watu and uh, the. What, what are those. Uh, the the Gungan or the the uh, new new Gunray the uh, Nemoidians the Nemoidians yeah I I have a bigger problem with them than I do Jar Jar Binks I do want to I do want to point out that they did do Ahmed Ahmad Best uh, good yes in the Mandalorian they had him do a cameo as the the Jedi that saves Grogu from the Jedi Temple so but, which was fantastic but this is what I'm talking about I think they should do him good by bringing back Jar Jar Binks, but not making him the way he was in the Phantom Menace trilogy, right? Where he has grown because he is a senator now, right? He does represent things. I would like to have, to see him where he has grown some and has some wisdom, uh, but still remains a bit Jar Jar Binksy. Yeah, no... Not for me. I, I don't want to see that character again. I'm good. I just can't stand him. I cannot stand it. That's I, the, I don't like the Gungans, period. Yeah, and that's... Well, see, that's fine. Because, again, one cog in the wheel of terrible. I just... I don't know how... The whole movie's terrible. I don't know how he looked at Brian Blessed and go... And say to him, hey, we're going to have you go... <laughs> and that's it. That's that. That's gold right there. He said the... <laughs> it is terrible. It is terrible. I mean, at least at least the Jawas go around ding 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 ding. ding. That's spaceballs. <laughs> I know, but I had to do that. I had to do oh, the spaceballs yeah. reference because the thing is, I think that they had characters that could have been so much more than what they, they yes. became. Right? Yeah. Again, Rose, give her a different name. Give her a different uh, storyline. She would have been wonderful. She would have been a, a great strong female character uh juxtaposition with ray yeah and i will agree that they i think what they could have done what they did with her in the last jedi 100 percent fine to an extent what they should have done was taken her and built her up to be a more powerful character in rise of skywalker but instead because people reacted so badly to this character they, re- they reduced her to what was little more than a cameo, and I hated it. Yeah, that. I mean, you know, that that's that's the thing. That shows me the disconnect that Hollywood has with everybody else. Because you're sitting there going, you can fix this character, you know. You don't have to, to subject them to being a cameo. You can fix it. It's your fault that the audience didn't respond to them, not the audience's fault. You gave them nothing to respond to. You gave them garbage to respond to, and you exp- and then you blame the actress or you blame the you blame the the, the audience. You blame everybody but yourself. Yeah, like to me, Rose Rose was essentially the Lando of that series, in the in the way that Lando comes in. And Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and then becomes a bigger part of Return of the Jedi. 
That's what I think Rose should have been. Yeah. And then that didn't happen. That was very disappointing. Well, it shouldn't have been a James Bond movie. The, none of it made any sense at all. They were What they were trying to do is recreate the original trilogy, which was a mistake. The Force Awakens is basically a retelling of Star Wars with different characters yes. and, you know, almost beat for beat. But it was well done to the point that we're like, yay, Star Wars is back. Oh, no, Han. Oh, you know, but they set up a lot of stuff that they didn't pay off on. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know where the blame is because Rian Johnson wrote that, didn't he? Yeah. So I blame him. He wrote a terrible script. He can, he can write a good script. We've seen that. I blame Kathleen Kennedy because she's the producer that sat there and went, okay, I'm in charge of Star Wars. This is all good. Let's go ahead with it. But the fact of the matter is, is... Well, that's we don't know that. We don't know that. We're not in the room. Fair. But here's the thing. The, the new sequel sequels have their problems, but there are snippets of good movie good movies in there. But and that's the frustrating part. Yeah, is when that, Max Van Saito comes in the original, and we our first introduced to Kylo Ren, and he can stop a laser blast with the Force. Yeah, that was so cool. That was such an amazing scene that yeah. that, that that every Star Wars fan, including but, myself, who had been soured on it, went okay. Or even even in Rise of Skywalker, when we thought they killed Chewie, that was wild. But there was like one of the biggest problems i had with it was the knights of ren they mentioned the knights of ren they briefly showed them in force awakens they only briefly mentioned them in um in the last jedi and then when we finally see them in rise of skywalker they go out like a bunch of putzes <laughs> they do they, they just get taken out by kylo ren like they don't seem threatening at all they were just they were a pop card fart and a half all right now you know what guys we could go on forever about star wars which is why we do an annual may the fourth be with you star wars special indeed but before we wrap it up i just want to ask one final question what is and it can be from the extended universe that's fine what is your favorite star wars moment so I have one that builds off the other. The scene in Return of the Jedi when they blow up the reactor to the Death Star is amazing. But the thing... In 1996, they released Shadows of the Empire. It was a multimedia project. And in the video game, you got to play Dash Randar, who's kind of the hero of... Partly the hero of the story. And you get to fly into this thing called the Skyhook, and you get to blow up the generator of that, and then fly out. And that was the first time in a video game I'd been able to do something like that. So that was that that has that is my favorite. Ren, I don't know if I can choose one. What really filled you with emotion? What just surprised you? What just made you go? Oh, uh, I don't. I don't even know. I'm trying to think. I, I don't know if I can answer that question. That's fair. You could you know what? You could even sit there and say it was like going to Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> I mean, yeah, going to Galaxy's Edge was absolutely stunning. So that, if I had to pick, that might be it. Because I'm... Going, going and immersing yourself in Galaxy's yes, Edge. Yes, it yeah. was... Yeah. For me, it's actually from the end of Rogue One, believe it or not. 
when Darth Vader shows up oh my in God. the the darkness, and it is it's probably the most frightening moment in a Star Wars movie, where it's black. You hear the and then the lightsaber just and then he just boom 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 lays waste to everybody it's not consistent with the start of a new hope but by god that was a good scene yeah i would love to see a horror film that takes place in the star wars universe and that that scene Proves they could do something like well, that. Well, I, I, I wouldn't want it to be a horror movie, but it'd be nice to have a movie that had horror elements like yeah. that, you know. But they will never do that because they want it to be family friendly. Yeah. I mean, Dagobah, like as a kid, yeah. that was spooky to me. Oh well, yeah. Well, especially when the Luke rancor goes, to me as a kid. Oh too. yeah. But especially when Luke goes into the uh, into the, the tree. To, yeah, into yeah, the, the oh. training there, and then Vader shows up, and then he lops his head off, and it's like Luke's head there, and it's like, oh, foreshadowing. Yep. So why was anybody surprised when he says, no, I am your father, <laughs> you know, but which is actually probably the greatest Star Wars moment uh, yeah, of all. Yeah. The revelation that, that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Yeah. And the other aspect of it, as a small kid, seeing Darth Vader on screen Darth Vader is a scary character to begin with. Well, he's one of the greatest villains of all time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's kind of why I. That's kind of why I don't. I mean, it's George Lucas's property; he could do what he wants with it. But that's why I kind of don't like the prequels, and I don't like the the sort of sequel of it because it becomes this journey of Luke Sky or pardon me, Anakin Skywalker as starting off as this Wunderkind hero who is so strong in the Force, but he's not the 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 New Hope or whatever. And the progression to his dark side and then his redemption. Now, I don't mind the, the progression and the redemption aspect of it, but that whole Wonderkind hero BS is... The chosen but, one. Yeah, and, and the kid played it really well. I mean, don't get me wrong, but... In my opinion, like, now that I look back through the, you know, first, second, third, Clone Wars, um, four, five, six, it's... It's frightening to watch it because you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my God, this little kid is going to become Darth Vader. Yeah. We all know that, like yeah. even going into it. But then then you watch the scenes in like Clone Wars, for example, and even the ones in Rebels where it's like the Clone Wars. It's like, oh, my God, if the Jedi Council didn't do that to him, yeah. if they didn't do if they didn't treat him like if Ahsoka didn't leave, like how much would he have turned into Vader? Like yeah. if. Ahsoka hadn't left if Obi-Wan hadn't faked his death. Like, would that have stopped it? Well, obviously they can't stop it because we know, you know, they have to get to to movie six and that's right. how the goal goes. But it's like so many times where you're just like, oh my gosh. And no matter what you do, you're constantly hoping that like, oh, Anakin's going to do great and he's not going to, even though you know he's going to fall and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. And then in Obi-Wan where Obi-Wan and Vader are having that fight and yeah. just... There, oh. are, there are some really emotional aspects to Star Wars. For me, th three of the big ones. One is the is the Obi-Wan fight you're talking about. But two of, the, two of the other ones actually come from Rebels. One is when Ahsoka realizes that Darth Vader is Anakin. That is a gut punch because 
um, Ashley Eckstein is so good at portraying, portraying the pain of that through her voice. And the animators did a really good job of animating that. But another one, um, and a big one for me in Rebels, is when Obi-Wan kills Darth Maul for the second and final time because you see, one, you see Obi-Wan um, strike up his typical, like the, the normal uh, lightsaber stance that he normally goes with and realizes he can't do that, so he changes up very quickly. And Darth Maul is there for revenge, but when he's when he's and it's not a it's not a fight. It's a case of Darth Maul comes at him, Obi Wan slices him, and that's it. But there's enough time for Darth Maul to ask about Luke, and he asks, "Is he, is he the chosen one? Is he the one that's going to bring balance to the Force? Will he save us all?" And Obi Wan says yes, and then that's it. That was a hugely emotional moment because they had been building that up for years on clone wars but yeah like there's all sorts of emotional ties to star wars but also how many times will they make us watch order 66 over and, and over. over and over and over <laughs> I'm gonna get sick of at least the one killed. at least one more time in ahsoka at yeah. least one oh, at least okay so at we, least. we know hayden christensen is in it it is very. <laughs> we know it takes place after Return of the Jedi, so if Hayden Christensen's in it, that means it is flashbacks. And once again, aliens, the Gen Xer has to sit back and while the, the millennials lose their minds. Uh, I'm going to start calling them the Millennial Falcons from this point yes. on. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind that at all. Okay, aliens, really, uh, before we go, please join us on our Facebook page where we will ask the question, who is your favorite Star Wars character of all time and what is your favorite Star Wars moment? That's all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half and our Star Wars May the Fourth be with you special nick before we go remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us well as you mentioned we are on facebook you can search for us by searching for area 51 and a half and you can find us on instagram tiktok and twitter at the area 51h thank you for joining us on our landing pad aliens for ren nick and spook uncle john we're signing off from area 51 and a half and may the force be with you, with you.